Hey, sweet friends, boy, are you in for a treat today? I am joined by one of my oldest friends. I have stayed in mediocre to consistently inconsistent contact with as the seasons of our lives have changed. Mike Ensley. I am Catherine Means, and you are listening to Here's What I Know to Be True. Right up front, I need to tell you that math is hard for me. It's like a part of my brain literally has to boot up before I'm able to figure out a simple math problem. And that is in normal situations. What you are going to hear in just a few minutes is not a normal situation. I was so flustered by realizing we had indeed been friends for almost half our lives and we were adults when we met. My brain lost all ability to do math. So when I start to stumble over the numbers 17 and 24, just know that I know. We met when we were 24 years old, and that was 17 years ago. I remember Mike as an outrageously funny guy in our 20s when we were Disney season pass holder buddies and co-workers in Orlando. While he is still funny and maintains a deep appreciation for Disney and comics, he has grown into a deeply insightful man with a compassion that makes people feel seen and known. As we are both single in our 40s, I thought it would be good to have this conversation with him to get a man's perspective on what it is like to be a part of the body of Christ living a vastly outnumbered experience. Whether you are single, never married, divorced, married, or widowed, my prayer is that you would find this conversation equal parts encouraging, challenging, and convicting. Enough of me, let's get to the conversation with my old friend, licensed professional counselor with Comeback Story Counseling, Mike Ensley. So today I have joining with me one of my oldest friends. (laughs) I think that's true. You said 17 years or when we were talking the other day and, and then said it was almost half of our life and I called you rude. Yeah, no, it's it's very true. Hi, Catherine. Hey. No, yeah, I was actually thinking about that. And this week in my, you know, you, you got your screensaver and your photos come up and the picture I took of us on at the Magic Kingdom. And I remembered that was the day you spent $70 to spend my birthday with me. And I realized that was my 25th birthday. But yeah, that's 17 years ago. No, yes, no, 24 yeah. years. And stop. <laughs> 24 years ago. <laughs> 24. Wow. Yeah. It's been a long time. And I'm so thankful um, that you were willing to have this conversation with me. And um, I want you to tell people what you've been doing a little bit in the last 24 years since we went to Magic Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> tell us a yeah, little about no, yourself. Uh, done a few things. Yeah. No, well, I moved out to Colorado uh, several years ago. And when I really, you know, found my path in becoming a, a professional counselor and after finishing my formal training and deciding I wanted to break out into private practice. And so I've got um, I've got a practice here in Northern Colorado called Comeback Story Counseling, where I, you know, I work with people on all kinds of issues. And I'm particularly passionate about working with men who are, you know, in, you know, 
the whole realm of mental and emotional and relational healing are are still pretty un, unserved community because in large part because of the stories we tell about mm. men and and that we live out so so that's what i've been up to i've been yeah i've been in private practice now a little over four years i love it and i'm having a great time um yeah and enjoying all the hikes there are up here with my dog and yes. still taking photos and um playing board games and doing nerd things too. Yeah, so, I love it. I love um, it so much. Yeah. You are a great photographer and Samson, your dog, is incredibly photogenic. And so I love seeing all of your adventures um, on <laughs> Instagram. Speaking of social media, why don't you tell us how our friends can find you? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm most active on Instagram, but on all my social media, my tag is Noco Story. That's NoCo is in Northern Colorado, so NoCo Story, and that's also my website, nocostory.com. Awesome, awesome. Hey, do you just do in-person or do you do uh, virtual sessions as well? Good question. I do in-person at my office in Loveland, and I also can do teletherapy with anyone in Colorado at the moment. Okay. There's also We're also at an exciting juncture because there is the rollout of the Interstate Counseling Compact, and Colorado is going to be a member state. Um, it's not active until the soonest later this year, but definitely by next year. So everybody. And so once I apply for that, um, anybody who's in a member state, I can do teletherapy with awesome um, across state lines. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, that's exciting. Okay. So as you know, I have invited you on to talk about unpopular opinions, uh, singleness edition, because, Fun fact, we have that in common. Um, So Mm -hmm. you are single and have never been married and same for me. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts as not just um, a counselor, but also a man, um, because we experience things differently through, you know, our experiences and our genders. And so I just wanted another person's opinion who is different than me because just because it's, you know. It's my opinion doesn't mean that it's the right one. And I want to state up front, we do not speak for all single people. (laughs) This is my experience and this is your experience. So any of our friends who have been listening, who are listening, have uh, had different experiences. That is fine too. So, okay. Are you ready for the first unpopular opinion? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You can live a fulfilling life without being married or pursuing a romantic relationship. I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think for me, I can say for sure, like once I got, once I kind of addressed that, like the multifaceted, like push to be married that I felt in my own life, I realized, you know, and as I began to just engage authentically and be present and accepting and um, finding the joy in my life, that that, you know, that that feeling of like, oh, it would be so much better if I was married or something Mm. that has never been what I feared it would be Mm. if I was single in, you know, throughout adult life. And, and so absolutely it's true. Um, Yeah, I agree. I, it is so interesting because, well, you take great pictures. We've already discussed this, but you also take really great pictures on trips that you have taken by yourself And Mm -hmm. I remember the first time you went somewhere by yourself and I was thinking, oh man, I want to do that. Why can't I do that? Who said I couldn't? Um, Because every other 
picture on your highlight reel of Instagram or Facebook is families or couples going places. And Mm. it's like a subliminal message that the only time, for me at least, that the only time I could go on vacation was when I had a family to go on vacation with. But I flipped the script and on my 40th birthday, I just knew I needed to not be around people and I needed to feel whatever I felt turning 40. And it was the most fun. And I have since gone on one more trip. I think that's true. Yeah. One more trip just by myself. And I have another one planned in November. And so it's Nice. You can just do whatever you want. <laughs> you can do whatever <laughs> you want. Um, so I wonder if it's unpopular, though, because we don't actually believe we have inherent worth and value in and like in and of ourselves apart from a different like from another person. Does that resonate with anything in you? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, we are whether you're a Christian or not, I, I mean, we're constantly bombarded with messages and um, really encouraging us to look externally for our mm. intrinsic value and, and for, our, for our permission to engage with our lives and to love our lives. Whether it's marriage or a job or some other, you know, milestone in life, one of the things we're often doing is... Um, needlessly withholding things from ourselves um most importantly you know a an, a sense of our own value and and a and a peace with ourselves but also things like you know i would love to go on a trip i would love to have this experience or that experience but i i can't do that if i if i'm not in a relationship or i don't want to do that outside of a relationship and explore when i finally began to for myself to explore why um, it just, you know, it dawned on me like one, I, the, the relationship thing is, is something I can't control and in entirely. And it's, um, well, it's also, it's not a stepping stone to that experience. Like if I really want to go on a trip and it's like, I'm not going to make the trip the reason I want to get married so I can, you know, or, or whatever it is. But like, I mean, I don't want to treat a relationship like my permission, like my ticket to something else. Um, and so it can become that. I mean, I, I work with a lot of clients, and uh, it's so common we are we're fixated on on some milestone in life, which is mm. oftentimes being married or being in a relationship. It can, you, but it can also be a certain making a certain amount of money or having a certain job yeah. or getting ripped. <laughs> and <laughs> we're convinced, like in the gym, there, to be precise. Yes, precise. Okay. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> and yeah. And, and the question always is, okay, well, what will be different when we, when we get there? What are mm. we telling ourselves will be different? And a lot of times as we unpack that and, and explore like what's the stories I'm playing in my head and, and the things I, I want to feel, what it a lot of times comes down to is permission to like myself, mm. to, to feel at ease in my life, to feel worthy, to... Um, and to and to give myself permission, give myself access to other joys that life has to offer. Yeah. Um, that I have, you know, maybe subconsciously uh, absorbed, like you know, uh, a prohibition about. Like I'm not, mm. I'm not allowed to have these things until I get. Yeah. 
the thing. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that never goes away. And I think that speaks to the, you know, Ecclesiastes says that eternity has been written on our hearts. And so we can't actually, we know there's something missing. We, we know there is something missing. And for the Christ follower, that something is Jesus and what he brings to us. But I think so often, even, um, people in the church, members of the body of Christ, we forget that we don't live like we actually believe that he is the answer to every need that we have. And, um, I think that's making me so sad as I, as I uncover it for myself and I go, well, no, no, I'm, he's not a respecter of persons and I'm not the Mm -hmm. only, this is just the way I am walking out the $20 uh, theology word sanctification, you know, like that's becoming more like Christ. I'm doing that in my singleness, but everybody is doing that in their own experiences. And so I'm just looking around, I'm going, oh man, married people struggle with this too. Like if you can't for the life of you think about going on a vacation, I've had so many people, so, so many people go, oh, I am so inspired by your trip. I could never do that though. And I'm like, yes, you could handle childcare. Like get it to like, I know our lives look different, but you know that you're worth the effort too, right? Like it's not just me. Well, yeah. And um, you said something in there and I had a thought. I have these thoughts, they pop up like whack-a-moles and I I gotta (laughs) snap them before they go away. But yeah, like people saying, oh, I couldn't do that. Like other people, single people will say that to me. Mm -hmm. Younger people, younger clients I'll have, I'll talk to them about this very thing. And they're like, oh, I could never do that. Um, And part of it is about going and confronting what it feels like. Like I've, on my trips, like there's lonely moments. There are, there are discomforts that come up. There's, there's guilt. Like I don't deserve the, you know, like, Mm. you know, I run into those things throughout that process sometimes, particularly the first time, first couple times I did it. And, and yeah, it's part of that. And the, and we can just bring awareness to the idea that I'm telling myself that won't happen if I have a relationship. Um, And so already I'm, I'm giving this other person a role to play and a job to fulfill that I'm not in, I wasn't even entirely aware of. And that probably means I'm not going to communicate that to them either, but I will be disappointed when they fail. Um, and so, so it's, it's something that not only can trip up us in our singleness, but it can, it can carry over into the relationship if it does come, mm-hmm. because when we are telling ourselves, Hey, once I have this, it's going to make me feel this, it's going to make this go away. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to change these experiences this way. And that's we're making a lot of assumptions with that. Yeah, man, we do. We just we do. We make a lot of assumptions on lots of things, um, which leads me to unpopular opinion number two: um, singleness is not a problem to be fixed. That is my very unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, all you have to do is look at. Uh, I, I mean, as Christians, look at resources for singles. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't checked in a while, but I, I remember them being about like 
well, this is all about how to get married, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get unsingle as fast as we can. Yeah. It's not okay. Um, and we talked about this before that, um, yeah, just the messages we've received throughout lives. I've been told directly mm-hmm. to me from multiple sources, um, verbatim, you will never be the man God wants you to be if you're not married. That um, is heartbreaking. I mean, as your friend, as your friend who has walked mm. with you through lots of things and, and even you as my friend who, I mean, Mm. Catherine at 25 was just, she was, well, and then Catherine at 30, (laughs) (laughs) she was a treat, but she just like, and I have to have so much grace for her because I was so I was doing exactly what you just described. Like I will be good when this happens. And Mm. I was living out of that broken place and just feeling like even in my standing before the Lord, my singleness proved a thing. Like I wasn't, I wasn't worthy. He didn't, he didn't think that I was worthy enough for a spouse. So Anyway, back to you and what you just said. That is heartbreaking because I have literally watched you grow into a man I am very proud of without a spouse. And yeah, I'm going to need a name and a number. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and what makes these things so hard is that these messages came to, to me from people who genuinely and deeply loved me Mm -hmm. and loved me well in so many other ways. Mm -hmm. And they believed it at the time. Mm -hmm. And there's in those relationships, there's actually been some reconciliation in later years, which has been awesome. And, and some acknowledgement of that, Mm -hmm. and which is, has really been healing for me. And I I hope for them as well. Um, But, but yeah, it's, it's this, it turns marriage into this necessity where you are not okay until you have it. Mm-hmm. And then again, it's, and that would prevent, that prevents you from, if, if it be, does become available, you know, that you're no longer able to just enter into it uh, because it's right for you, because mm. just out of fullness of joy and yeah. joining your story with the other persons, it's about, no, I need this to survive. Mm-hmm. I need this to be able to like myself again, going back to that permission. And it's, um, and so again, even if the marriage does come along, it's added this other motive to it that may even supersede what marriage, you know, what you would hope it would be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so, yeah, seeing it as something that's wrong with you, I debated telling the story because it's almost unbelievable, I think. But when, well, when you, after our conversation the other day, I was thinking on it. And our conversation was in prep for this conversation that our friends are now listening to. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, sorry. We're not keeping anything. First podcast appearance. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Secretly. Yes. No. Um. (laughs) No, when we were prepping for this and I was thinking about, you know, this, my stories with messages I got, this memory came back to me that I was like, I have not thought about this in years. But when I was about 20, I was 20 or 21, I was at my first church that was like outside of my family church. Okay. And it was my first like big church. And so it was this huge step for me. But I remember um, I became a member 
um, friend, whatever that meant there, there was like a, um, a gathering and a celebration for all the new members uh-huh. for the month uh-huh. or however long. So there was like this buffet and like they sat everybody on tables and like after the milling around and I remember sitting there with all these like strangers at a table and the guy talking and like inter- or like greeting everybody, mm-hmm. he goes, okay, it was about time to eat. And he said, and he just kind of laid out, okay, we're going to have, we're going to the women go first and then this. And then he said, and if you're a single guy in your twenties, you're last. And this cheer went up from everybody. And I was sitting there and I was the only one in, I, oh, I don't know no. in that group, but it, in my corner of the room. And I watched as everybody like cheering to this, like got up and left and walked away from me. And uh, which was, which totally intersected with other like yes. faith com- yes. community trauma that I have uh-huh. um, and definitely had at the time. And also it just hurt my feelings because I was super hungry. Um <laughs> <laughs> So it was, but yeah, like, and so right away, and I remember, and then after everybody did eat, and there was like a time for everybody, each new member to come up and say something about or introduce themselves. Mm -hmm. And I remember having to do that, just in this heat of like, shame and rejection, at the welcoming ceremony for me becoming a member. Yeah, which was completely um, unnecessary. Like, yeah, it was not necessary for him to say that. No, but it, it, it was totally and it was, you know, kind of a, a precursor to just showing me like, uh, here's this attitude towards yeah. you. You're now an adult and you're not married. And therefore you are you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And you in a, in a sense, you deserve punishment mm. um, until you get your act together or something or. But yeah. but yeah, so like you could tell like this this has definitely touched my story mm-hmm. in some in some powerful ways and i know it has for a lot of people mm-hmm. and and again if that's that not only hurts you in your singleness but if the opportunity does come along or you manufacture the un- opportunity oh yeah be- because you're trying to get out from under this mm-hmm. judgment um that sets up a marriage for a lot of women yeah yeah wow thank you for telling that story I'm really sorry that it happened. Oh my goodness. Um, well, I must have healed. Cause like I said, I was, I was like, it came back and I was like, wow, I haven't thought about that in the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, which is nice. <laughs> well, you were talking about resources uh, for single Christians um, earlier. And mm-hmm. I must say, I have read two books written by married men in their thirties um, who have been married a long time, who are in ministry, um, in the last six months or so. And I am pleasantly surprised, pleasantly surprised. Now, some of the stuff that was said felt, fell a little flat just because they are telling a story through another person's perspective from people that they have ministered to. Um, mm-hmm. and, but that doesn't discount what they said. It just, it fell a little flat. Um, sure. And then someone um, equated, kind of not equated. He didn't equate it, but he spoke fr- a, from the place of struggling with infertility with his wife. Mm-hmm. And that was his example of waiting for a thing. 
that mm-hmm. fell a little flat for me because hopefully, and I know that people deal with things like that, um, infertility and grief in, in that way, Absolutely. in, in very different ways, but, and sometimes it can hurt a marriage, but in his case, it like, it brought them together. And so he had another person with skin on to wait with mm. when a single person is waiting for a spouse, they are not waiting with another person with skin on for God to come through for them. And so that part fell a little flat, but both of them address the lie that singleness is a problem to be fixed. Like that we have that in the church. Um, and so both of them were very clear that it isn't a problem to be fixed. Um, it's so interesting to me that we, um, as Christ followers, just forget about Paul and Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, Paul, God entrusted Paul with half of the New Testament. And we just like, oh, yeah, no, he he missed it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just feel like ha- I wonder how Paul would feel if he walked into an American evangelical church um, in 2022, <laughs> single and like had been in prison and all of the things mm-hmm. that would have made him an outcast. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, he would have been single and had been in prison. And, you know, if we were like, if we're merging the timelines, I mean, he might've been somebody who killed people. We knew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. You know, it's he was this he's such an interesting character but yeah and and his narrative absolutely and i think throughout the new testament really does undercut a lot of what we see in western christianity Mm. and it's and its whole posture toward marriage in a lot of ways yeah Um, yeah that's good okay so Comments like we need to get married or we need to find a husband or wife really hurts us when in reality, single Christ followers have the unique opportunity to show the world that in Christ we lack nothing. I mean, we have a voice that is not heard, that's being silenced, that we don't feel. And like you said, the shame, the immediate shame in that story of that church, when that man said, and if you're a guy in your 20s who's single, uh, you go last. I mean, just completely forgetting about the very unique perspective that you might have had to bring to the table. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just think we either believe God when he says a thing or we don't. And as a whole, it's been my experience that we don't. You're right. And I wanted to go back because you said something a second ago about you know, being single and waiting and not having someone to wait mm-hmm. with in the, you know, here in the flesh. Yes. I think, I think that is also often the case and that's put on us because we don't, I don't think that's supposed to be, I think. Mm. And again, this might be a, a wider Western culture thing too, but I mean, our non-romantic relationships are so anemic. They yes. still are. And we don't, think about how do we sacrificially love people like Mm -hmm. that, like coming out of working in ministry and what I call big Christianity. Well, like part of my big, um, one of my struggles with disillusionment Mm -hmm. with that was like how disinterested so many Christians seemed about how do we sacrificially love people? Um, And we're not, 
it, when you're looking at singleness as a problem to be solved and something you need to be fixed about you and and we put that on that person like um like you said and it's a, a, a recent post you did about this compliment or this self-affirmation that you're a marriable person oh i know um, that you know and we're not and then we do leave that person to wait like this is something you need to have and you're not okay until you have it and mm-hmm. until you do you we kind of need to keep you at arm's length and you don't deserve intimacy and like involvement and um and people pursuing you yeah that, that until somebody pursues you for marriage like that's mm-hmm. um i think we can leave people and we can neglect these relationships which frankly um are what when you know when jesus said like here's what is the greatest love somebody can have he didn't Mm. say it was marriage he said to lay down your life for your friends Mm. and and i think that that's very inconvenient to our narrative about marriage a lot of times yeah that's good mike so last and popular opinion um the church as a whole not everybody but the body of christ as a whole has made marriage an idol. Absolutely it has. No, and and I and I agree not out of, you know, well, just out of my own experience being not only a single person but as also as a counselor as a um as a former wedding photographer. Yes. I've I've heard so many honestly blasphemous things said about marriage. Um a few that have stuck in my mind over the years coming from mm. a pastor officiating a wedding that that marriage is the greatest um incarnation of god's love that we can experience on earth that mm. it's the most potent way for us to show the gospel for the to the world um and it's it's neither of those things and yeah. it's um but when you look at what idolatry means throughout the the global narrative we have i mean Mm -hmm. it's to look to something as our source Mm -hmm. to to point ourselves towards something as what gives us meaning and purpose what fulfills our lives and 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 to what we again just what we turn ourselves Mm -hmm. and we've absolutely in a lot of ways made marriage that thing and and let it i think speaking as a christian like usurp what really christ is supposed to be to us even yeah. when we are married. Mm-hmm. Um, so for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. My biggest discovery in this for myself was in a, a counseling session with my counselor. Um, and she said something that I don't know that I will ever forget, but she said, Catherine, if it was just you and your family and your close friends and Jesus, I think you'd be at peace with your singleness. But when you add in the church and society and everything else, there is this deep sense of shame and dissatisfaction in your life. But when it, but the way you talk about your life, when it's just those people and Jesus and yourself, Mm. you're good. And, and we started to unpack that a little bit. And it was because I was believing the lie that my life didn't matter unless I had someone to share it with. Mm-hmm. And unless I had some ones that came from me to live after me, does that like as a mom. And so 
then it was like, I don't care what everybody else thinks. <laughs> what do I think? What does my family think? What does the Lord think? And so when it, when it gets to the Lord and he doesn't think any less of me and actually has set me apart for a reason hmm. that it doesn't even matter to me what my family and my friends think anymore. It, then it's just about like, how do I and Jesus feel about my singleness? And we are good. <laughs> we are good. Mike, thank you so much for adding your perspective. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you think that we should mention? Gosh, that's hard. Um, number one, I really like your counselor. I like the I do too. Good fit for you. That's awesome. Um, but I think it's what makes me sad about it, I think, is just to how much more whole the, you know, the Christian body could be Yeah. if we weren't looking to these milestones. I mean, you brought up the whole thing about people getting married, having babies, and I'm like waiting for that now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like even when you get married, like there's more milestones for you. Mm-hmm. There's more hurdles you're expected to jump. Um, before and like nobody's ever really okay and and we're not supposed to look at it that way like we are um you know god has freely given us all things in christ Mm. and we and and like you've said it's it's not he doesn't delineate based on you know in christ there we don't have a race we don't have a nationality we don't have man or woman Mm. um and and we have so much to offer each other. Um, one of the, again, I, one message I wanted to touch on too was the idea that I didn't have as much to offer. And yeah. I certainly, I didn't have anything to offer my married friends mm-hmm. as, as a single guy. And, um, and I wrestled with that for a long time. I felt so inadequate, but we do. And we may, have, we may grow into it through different ways mm-hmm. and things, but we, when we step back from these milestones and these stories mm-hmm. we tell about about some of the things in life, we, we can set ourselves free to, um, to experience each other in a more whole and a more fulfilling way mm-hmm. and to be a more cohesive and an effective body. Yeah. Um, when we don't have these, these tears that we're not, we're, we're not imposing these tears of worthiness mm-hmm. on, on its members. Mm-hmm. And I'm not asking people to be single if God's called them to be married. But I need your discomfort of my singleness not to dictate where I can and cannot serve in the body of Christ. There you go. (laughs) That's a little bit of a soapbox. (laughs) I might do another episode about that. Mm. Um, It's, I think it's, it is one thing for me to be comfortable with my singleness, but the discomfort in people really put up a wall and we're all telling different stories with our life. That's God's, I mean, God, how boring would it be if God had all of his kids live the exact same life from point A to point B or Z that would be so boring. And I don't want to live somebody else's life. I want to live Catherine's life and I want everybody else to feel the freedom to live their life as well. Um, so, and not their life as they dictate it, but their life as God ordained it. Um, because other, anything other than that just gets us in trouble. <laughs> no, I love that. I mean, and I, I approach my work 
whether I'm working with a Christian or not, that everybody's got a very purposeful and important story. Mm-hmm. And we are so much of our suffering comes from the fact that we don't feel like we can put anything meaningful on that page until oh. we have these permissions. And yeah. yeah, and and your the meaningful parts and the joyful parts and the exciting parts of your story do not have to wait until you have a spouse yeah. or even a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, God wants to engage with your life now and mm-hmm. he wants to show up in your life now and... And it breaks his heart and mine mm-hmm. if you are withholding that joy from yourself mm-hmm. um, over something that honestly is it's even if he gave it to you tomorrow just like you wanted probably would not change the things you think it would yeah um, so yeah and in eternity future it will all be a memory um, mm. And that is the thing that I'm so passionate about um, reminding the body of Christ is you've spent your whole life striving after this one thing and it isn't even going to be in existence in eternity future. So maybe invest in the stuff that will like loving your neighbor as yourself and, and cultivating intimacy with God. um, Cause that can't ever be taken away from you. So Anyway. All right, Mike, thanks so much for your time and your expertise and you guys go follow him on all the things. And at the end of this year, you're going to be maybe seeing like seeing virtual patients outside of Colorado. I, I, yeah, I would love to be. So we'll see when that, when that rolls out, I'll be on top of it. So, okay. All right. Thank you for the invite. I know some guys, I know some, some young men, um, who, and also let's just, say this up front, like everybody needs a counselor. <laughs> everybody. Well, I mean, look at it's biblical. All the Kings had counselors. Um, you better come through with that. Right. Christ is our counselor. I mean, it is, it is a, it is a, you know, a, a historic and time honored role mm. um, that everybody has, you know, that is served in building people up into their, into their best story. Um, mm. It is not a fallback for people who fail or in, or in crisis mm. or have something wrong with them. It is a tool to help um, to help you get closer to um, the most real and and most exciting version of yourself. I love that. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Well, thank you for the invite. I love our Absolutely. conversation. Absolutely. See, I told you he was insightful and we barely scratched the surface of these opinions and the truth behind them. Maybe if you guys show Mike plenty of love on Instagram and thank him for being here and sharing part of his story, he'll agree to come back and unpack some of this for us further. Again, you can find him at NoCoStory, N-O-C-O Story, on Instagram and www.NoCoStory.com. Sweet friends, I'll be honest. There is a part of me that feels like changing this mindset in the church is too big and pretty near impossible. And here's what I know to be true. For any one person, it is. We cannot turn the tide of a thing with simple words, stories, and platitudes, but God. 
God can change hearts and minds and exposing the idolatry of marriage for what it is and what we've made it to be is so important to his heart. Thank you for being here for this one, sweet friends. Thank you for staying until the end. It matters. It also matters what you do next and who you share this episode with. And it matters if you lovingly correct the next person you hear say something dismissive to a single person. One lie exposed at a time, sweet friends. One encouraging word at a time. One unseen heart pursued at a time. That is how we partner with the Holy Spirit in turning the tide of the idolatry of marriage within the body of Christ. Until next time, thank you for being here. Remember to take deep breaths and God has got us.